Now, if I can refer to SNL one more time and then hopefully never again, because it is very low hanging fruit at this point. But one of the lowest points of liberal comedy of the last four years was Pete Davidson did a joke about Dan Crenshaw a couple years ago, a kind of mean joke about his eye patch or something. And that was, I guess, controversial in some circles. And then the next week, they invited Dan Crenshaw to come on the weekend update. And he sat there with Pete Davidson and they like shook hands and Dan Crenshaw gave a little speech about uh, how we all need to we all need to listen to each other in these divided times. Right. It's this is the comedy equivalent of like when Henry Louis Gates was arrested by that cop while trying to just get into his own house in Cambridge. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in a peak Obama era thing, Obama had had them both come and have coffee at the White House or something. So what I admire about Borat, too, is it is an angry film. It's a confrontational film and it has no time for any of those kind of platitudes about can't we all just get along aren't we all the same it's got no time for propriety either which is another thing that's a staple of liberal comedy right in fact uh, as my friend david haynes pointed out to me it's a movie that really seems sees civility as the enemy i i mean i mean sasha baron cohen's movies are all about civility trojan horsing in chauvinism bigotry prejudice, racism sexism yeah. etc I admire that this is a movie where he defines enemies, he identifies enemies, and he targets them. And nowhere is this more apparent than in the Rudy Giuliani scene, which I've seen some debate about. I've seen some debate about, even among liberals, about is this fair? Uh, was he actually doing what he what he was depicted as doing? I mean, okay, well, the, 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 to the second one, yes, he was at, he was clearly doing. I mean, wh well, what? who are you going to believe, him or your lion eyes? <laughs> He frequently touches, you know, the woman he believes to be the reporter, yes. who in the movie is Borat's daughter, who's 15 in the movie. She's a 24-year-old actress mm -hmm. in real life. But, I mean, he frequently touches her in a very sexual way. And I'm sorry, no amount of editing, uh, no amount of editing selectively or whatever can paper over the fact that Rudy Giuliani sat down with this young woman for an interview and then within a few minutes, I mean, possibly an hour, who knows, went into a bedroom with her and just like thought he was going to fuck her. I mean, yeah. And I feel like these debates about like selective editing or what have you that people are sort of trained to have when a Michael Moore movie comes out don't really apply to Borat because this isn't well, it's this performance art. I mean, yeah, it has no pretense know. of being journalism. It has no pretense of objectivity. And further, it has no pretense of being fair to Rudy Giuliani. The, the movie is saying this is a terrible man. He's a despicable man. He's complicit in evil and he will never be brought to justice. So the best that we can do right now is to humiliate him in front of the world. And I, I respect that. I think that's a very admirable impulse. Giuliani's defense, by the way, is that he was tucking in his shirt, which is hilarious. Yeah. So I think if I have an issue with the movie, it's that I think Sasha Baron Cohen's worldview and his methodology has remained more or less unchanged since 2006. As everybody has said with regards to this movie, the world is in some ways similar and in some ways different from 2006. When the first one came out, everyone was saying, oh, it exposes the dark side of America, it exposes the racism that we keep under wraps. 
you know, all that's changed is that the racism is marching in the streets now, but that poses a very critical challenge to to Cohen's project. I think he's funny throughout, but I think the reason why this movie doesn't take it to the next level, why the movie is still something of an echo of the first movie rather than a progression of it, is that he doesn't really adapt to the times. He he looks at the world around us and he says, this is a real problem. Um, I don't know why this is, but we got to vote him out. That's the thesis. Yeah, get a load, get a load of these people. Now, there's something you alluded to in your blog post, which I actually didn't notice. But does it actually say at the end of the film, "Go and vote"? Yeah, it says "Now vote." That's the text at the end of the movie. I completely missed that, but I was annoyed to read that, and I was kind of hoping that you were making that up or, or something, because uh, that that makes the movie so much less funny, like just on an abstract level. That it's trying to be like topical, and it's like, oh yeah, we, you know, if you don't vote, these guys win or something. I mean, can't can't we just like can't we just laugh, please? It's interesting coming at the end of a movie that is an apocalyptic vision of America. It is unrelentingly. Blue. It's an America of plastic surgery, of debutante balls, of pro-life or or anti-abortion doctors, of QAnon conspiracy theorists, of anti-mask rallies, one hideous sight after another, and the movie's prescription for it at the end. I mean, I, I admire the bleakness of the film's vision, but the prescription for it at the end is to vote. And I get the sense that Cohen regards all of this as primarily a Republican problem. 